Welcome to Podcasts on Partnership. I'm Blake Cohn, the Executive Director of the National Network of Schools and Partnership. I am so happy to have had the opportunity to speak with Allie Goodner of William Penn Charter School in Philadelphia. You are going to love hearing the history of the Center of Public, for Public Purpose at her school. What they have going on at Penn Charter is an inspiration for all. And hey, if you want to learn more about how they are tracking data on the impact of their work, join us at the pre-conference workshop before our annual conference on January 26th at Penn Charter School. More information is on our website. Enjoy. I am thrilled to be here with Allie Goodner from William Penn Charter School in Philadelphia. Allie is the director for the Center for Public Purpose, and I'm thrilled to have her here. I've known her for a couple of years. I've seen this program um, really develop um, from one of the very first centers in the country, and it is really leading the way. So we invited Allie here to share um, with us a little how she's thought about the transformation of the center and how it works with um, students across the city of Philadelphia, along with the students in the pre-K-12 um, school of Penn Charter. So welcome, Allie. Great. Thanks Thank for, for having me. Here. I appreciate it. Um, so I like to start usually with um, you telling me sort of how you ended up here. Just a little brief you know, fast forward version of how you ended up at the Center for Public Purpose. Okay, so it's a great question. It's actually one I love talking about because it's, I feel like lots of pieces that sort of landed in my view in sort of this really amazing opportunity um, and role here at Penn Charter um, that I just feel really, really lucky to, to get a chance to, to fill. Um, so I'm born and raised in Philadelphia. Uh, grew up in the city. I actually went to Penn Charter as a, as a high school, as a actually, kindergarten through 12th grade is what we call a life or someone that was here for my whole life. Um, I was, my brother was here before me, kind of made the decision of where I went to school. I was one of the first co-ed classes at Penn Charter though. So I got to see Penn Charter through a very transforma um, transformative time with women being introduced to the school. Um, and during that time, I was very lucky to have a real group of teachers that were about activism. Um, when we talk about being a Quaker school and Quakers are pacifists, but I like to talk about um, Quakers being active pacifists. So it doesn't mean um, that you withdraw. It actually means that you put your values forward and then you are going to live a life that really lives out those values. And I had teachers that really embodied that and got me really involved, interested in social justice and climate justice um, issues at a young age. Uh, and then when I graduated Pinchard, I went on to college. And after college, I knew I really wanted to go into teaching and I knew I wanted to do public education. But my mother had been a 35-year public educator uh, in um, uh, Pennsylvania School District. And she was like, well, you know, maybe you want to try business for a little bit first. And so um, I ended up doing that. I ended up taking a program, um, a management program right out of college for a couple years, but very quickly found that I was spending every open moment I had working with local organizations. At the time, it was in San Francisco and Oakland. Um, and so at that moment, just realized I was, you know, the career I was in while I loved where I was working, it wasn't, um, it wasn't where I really felt I needed to be. And so I made my way back to teaching and I taught in public schools uh, in the San Jose area and in Oakland, California for a handful of years. Um, and then came back to Philadelphia to work with an education organization here and after some years doing that, um, had identified a real need in terms of communication among principals and teachers and collaboration among teachers across schools and also more specifically across independent public 
uh, parochial schools. And I was really interested in that space. Like, how are we sharing resources? How are we looking at Philadelphia as a portfolio of really one of, you know, of schools that can, you know, um, be each other's R&D departments? Like, how are we trying things? How are we spreading that information? And so that led me back to business school um, at Oxford uh, to do my MBA, but with a focus in social entrepreneurship, very connected to the school center there. Um, and I was lucky enough to meet my future business partner who um, had a background in graphic design and code. And we ended up um, later uh, developing and launching a company called The School Collective, which worked with independent parochial public schools as a online tool, but really focused on collaboration um, and loved it. It was a really wonderful experience for about seven years. Uh, we were a lean startup, uh, which means that we have to make money in other ways, you know, to pay salaries. And so I started consulting on the side. And one of my consulting jobs, I was contacted um, by Jim Ballengee, who was one of my educators when I was at Penn Charter, as this idea of a center was coming up. And so thinking about um, some of the work that I was so excited about here when I was a student, it was really being put to the forefront of Penn Charter uh, as new strategic vision. And uh, they needed to start to think about how do we measure the impact of the work that Jim um, and people that were in our you know, what at the time was more traditional community service and service learning work. Um, how do we measure that? How are we showing what the impact on students is? And that's where a lot of my work had been in, in metrics and um, figuring out uh, how to show evidence that some of these initiatives were working. And so I worked alongside Jim for about a year doing some of that work with him, also trying to, Jim, um, is just remarkable and the relationships and the long-term partnerships that we had had here. Um, he wanted to make sure that we're going to sustain past him. Like he had that vision. So he's like, you also have to help me figure out how do I get all this amazing information and all these amazing networks out of my mind and my heart and into a place that if somebody is to come in and do this work later, um, that they can, they can do that effectively. And so during that time, Jim, you know, let me know that he was thinking of transitioning out of, uh, Penn Charter and that this would be a potential role that would be open and um, it just was a really amazing fit for me of my passion working with students and working with teachers um, but also just really working across a community seeing um, seeing schools as a part of a larger picture uh, and um, had been working in Philadelphia for a very long time at that point developing relationships and connecting people and this just was a really wonderful fit. I also um, was it became a convinced Quaker a little later in my life after I left Penn Charter actually. And so the opportunity to come back and work at a Quaker school um, in an entity, the center, which was founded on the Quaker principles and Quaker roots of our school was just, um, it just seemed too ideal um, to pass up. And that's kind of how I wound up back here. So how long have you been in this role? So I've been in the role, this is my third year uh, as the director of the Center for Public Purpose. And so tell me when you came in, um, what were sort of the long-standing partnerships briefly? I mean, my gosh, you guys have such an extensive, really mm. the most robust set of partnerships. Um, but what, what did you see? And then what did you envision? Right? So what, what, when you got, when you were working with Jim and you were starting to allow yourself to think what might be, what were you thinking? Mm -hmm. And I feel so lucky. I mean, I think this is something that has to be said. I think sometimes when you have something that's founded by an individual, I mean, this is the whole founders syndrome and things like that. You'll people that are so attached to the original vision. I feel so lucky that um, Jim Ballinger was the founder of the center and my predecessor in this role, because he was someone who always saw it as something that was going to evolve. So we could sit side by side and actually have the conversations you're talking about. It wasn't 
it wasn't as I was like, here's what it is. And when, when Jim leaves, this comes right. in, it was really his vision of where is this going to go, especially when it's given more bandwidth with uh, people that can be in the office and that can do this work. And so I think when we, when the, when the center was first founded and, and the roots of it was in 2013, you know, Penn Charter established a new strategic vision of the school and it was to educate students to live lives that make a difference. And out of that strategic vision, there were six very concrete goals. And one of those was around Quakerism. And it really was um, intentional of Daryl Ford and Jim Ballinger to say, we want to put the work that Jim has started here at Penn Charter and has developed at the forefront, not just of our extracurricular, but thinking of co-curricular, what that could be. And that was one of the things that Jim is sort of like a one person, you know, um, in, you know, one person office, it's really difficult to do the co-curricular work because it really demands that you're working pre-K to 12 side by side with teachers and students about what that could look like. And so I think that's something Jim and I talked about even in the transition piece was that really rising up even more. So we have this, and we still do have this very robust extracurricular activity where students are going out every day after school with these long-term partners that we have, partners like Widener Memorial School that we've been partnering with for almost 30 years now, Whosoever Gospel Mission, same. These are all like local partners, they're close. We have been having students connect them across divisions, but more in an extracurricular or these like one-off projects are, are, are you know, big day of service that we do every year. But really just thinking about how would we take our group of partners really and hone in, hone in in particular on about 10 to 15 of them that are really local for us and make sure that students in their time at Penn Charter from lower school to middle school to upper school are getting multiple opportunities to connect with these with the individual um, organizations to really learn what the organization does, what are the problems that they're addressing, how did they identify the root causes, what is the work they're doing and how are they sustaining it in the city um, and really letting our students that when they're leaving there's going to be a series of organizations that they really deeply understand their work um, and they're not just like kind of these one-off touch points. Um, and so I think like coming into the role, those conversations with Jim really rung true. And so when I came in and then also Sharon Aram, who is our assistant director, when we came in, we looked at this, which Jim and I had actually done during my consulting work. We really kind of figured out who are all the partners? What are all the partnerships we do? And we had 50 plus really wonderful partners in the city but the, some stretched further, right, which would make it more difficult to do during school day partnership work with them. So we really did identify a group of 15 to 20 partners that we wanted to um, really solidify some of those partnerships and find multiple ways to connect. In addition, we also did look for some new partners, like looking and saying, we know that our core issues we're addressing are around poverty, food insecurity, and education equity. Who are organizations in our local area that we haven't developed a relationship that might let us touch on some of these key areas, right? Something also that was surfacing for our students was interest in mass incarceration, especially because of the um, so many of our issues here in Pennsylvania specifically. So some of those organizations that might also um, be looking at, um, at that issue in our city. Um, housing, right? Like in looking at affordable housing, that was another one. So an organization like the DePaul House, which we hadn't really worked with before um, when Jim was here, just rose to the surface. And we were like, wow, we can really connect students to DePaul and St. Ray's, second grade, third grade, sixth grade, like there were multiple connections. So really making a concerted effort to cultivate that relationship and really start to meet with some of those our current partners and potential new partners to say, what are your needs? Like, where do you feel like a school partner like could support you. Um, and that's where we always start with our partners, not going to them saying, hey, we need this, but more like, what are your needs? And what are our teachers trying to do with students in the classroom? And where might there be a fit, like an authentic fit? Um, 
So for us, like that was around partnerships, really our vision. And we are really in a place where we have, we've added probably five or set five to seven like new partners that really are rich because they've just connected to our curricular needs and also learning what their needs are it was just a very authentic fit um and we've maintained our other partnerships but we recognize some of our partners are going to be the one-off day of service but for those really rich partnerships that we really have students working at k through 12 they really are in a very like two mile radius of our school we can get to them we know that it is a very specific need that we can support and vice versa they are really addressing a specific curricular need that we're working with students which is really wonderful um, so that was really, I think, around like the partnership piece, what, what Jim's even, I think, vision was as well. Like that's why we were doing all that institutionalization of information and mapping out our partners. And then the other big piece in terms of the vision for the center was, and again, this was a really thought of with Jim, was like, we're doing all this great extracurricular, but if we want all students to be exposed to this work, if we're really gonna say that this is at the center, we have to think about the co-curricular piece. And the other component of it was we wanted to make a space, like a physical space, where students who just are asking deep questions around these issues could literally come, you know, knock on the door and say, I really am trying to understand what is affordable housing in Philadelphia, right? right. That we could navigate that space for them. So in addition to the extracurricular branch of the center, we did really have focused a lot of our time on developing the co-curricular branch and also what we call as our community incubator branch. And so the co-curricular branch really is pre-K to 12, um, either Sharon or myself are working with different divisions and making ourselves available to teachers. It's not something that is required, but it is something that if a teacher comes to us and says, you know, I'm really interested um, and looking at food insecurity and thinking about how our curriculum connect to this. We will sit down side by side with them and say, okay, what are your learning objectives for the year? Like, what is the content you want students to learn? Here are the skills that we work on in the center. And we have a set of five very like clear skills that we're working with skills and competencies we're working with students on. Oh, so our five, our five different skills. Um, we've got constructive listening is our first. Um, and we define that as students listen to understand another's experience. Um, and perspective rather than just responding. So this like listen to understand, not to respond. Uh, intellectual humility is our second. Um, lifelong learning, which is really talking about like how are we reflecting and asking questions. Um, and then creative problem solving, which we see a lot of this in our like community incubator, but also in a lot of our co-curricular work. And then civic responsibility, like really students recognize their own abilities and believe they have a significant positive impact can, can have a significant positive impact on our world so we, we talk with the the teachers about that and then really co-plan side by side together and in most of these settings we also are involving students as well right so like students we want their voice in this process and that's something our office feels very strongly about in our mission of the center we talk about that we talk about student-led right um, so that co-curricular piece for us was really important and we've um we kind of had the build it they will come approach so we feel like we've worked now with enough teachers that are like yes like, we really love this it's project-based learning it's grounded in quaker principles and practices it focuses on skills and competencies that we want we know we want students graduating penn charter with to live lives to make a difference and it's hitting the content right like they're getting to practice persuasive essays and you know uh their math whatever skills they're working on in particular um and then the last piece though is that community incubator, which I think for Sharon and I is one of the most exciting spaces because that is really a place where students can come and say, I wanna learn more about food insecurity. I, um, 
I'm interested in learning about, you know, our community and how decisions are made here. Like what does student voice mean, you know, both at Penn Charter as a local community and then the larger Philadelphia area. And people always say to us, they're like, well, how can you sustain that? You know, it's like, what if every kid comes to your office? And I'm like, well, that's the thing. Of the kids that come to our office, we always say we're not going to work harder than the student, right? right? So if a student comes to us and is like, I'm interested in this, we give them research. We're like, here's an article to read. Come back with questions, right? Or here's, if you're interested in setting this up, here's two different models to research and see, come back to me with a proposal of how you think this could fit, right? Um, we have a number of will do that, but we also have a number of others that with everything else on their plate, they're like, I just don't have the bandwidth right now. And that's right. okay too, right? Um, but out of that, we've seen over the last two years, and we kind of have been tracking what we call like student-led initiatives in this right. public purpose. And whereas, you know, when we first came in that first year, we probably had two, it's like, I would have to look at my exact numbers, but it's about around five, you know, and then last year we had about 15 to 17. And this year we have about 30 plus. Um, and that's everything from a student leading um, an LGBTQ um, fashion show that's supporting Covenant House, which is one of our local partners and coming up with a really creative way to do that to a student who for a year and a half researched food insecurity and then launched a food security club here and is partnering with organizations to do pop-up restaurants in the oh, city. I saw them on your Twitter yesterday mm -hmm. or yep. two days ago or something. Yep. Um, and, um, and then we've got a student who came a couple years ago and wanted to look at entrepreneurship and what is social entrepreneurship and, and how are we creating spaces for that in our community and have created a completely student developed curriculum for that, right? So there's, no, there's no limitation of what they can come in questioning um, mm -hmm. there. No, and I mean most, what they know our office, they know what we are focused on and what we represent. So we generally get things from, you know, kids that are addressing major social issues or, right. or something like social entrepreneurship that would be a tool through which, so throughout in the social entrepreneurship club, we have one student addressing food insecurity, one addressing clothing waste, one addressing, you know, but what we like to say is that our focus is, you know, grounding us in Quaker principles, addressing the social issues. We have all these tools that can be used to do that. Some student might pick social entrepreneurship. Another student's picking developing a club that's like exploring current events, you know, another student really wants to do their own independent study and develop a relationship with Habitat for Humanities. Great, right? right? But that's the, the process that we can do. And one of the things that we're really trying to work on developing more of is students supporting students in that. So right now they come through us, but as we're building this like really incredible group of young people that have been through this process, I now, when, if, when I have a student that comes and says, I'm, I'm interested in this, I'm like, oh, you know what? You need to talk to Zion because he actually went through this exact same process and helping Zion understand how to help a student. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so this is most, what we're talking about right now is mostly probably upper school students, right? Because with all of this sort of self-directed learning, is there, tell me what you're doing in the lower and the middle schools to amplify this? Because obviously these kids are coming in with like a whole host yeah. of skills that have been developed through programs that are going on in the lower and the middle school, right? Yeah. And that's, and I mean, I think that's also the hope too, is that like, we even now, you know, with our, um, Sharon is our coordinator for our senior comprehensive project, which is now gone back to being fully required for all of our seniors and is under the Center for Public Purpose. We really want to see that as we're, we're here longer, the kids are showing up to that experience with all the skills we're talking about. And we're not there yet, but we're seeing already in a short amount of time an improvement because we have students that are kind of coming through this like pipeline, you know, of skills. But our lower school and our middle school are extraordinary. And I think um, a lot of the co-curricular work, it's actually where we're doing the most co-curricular work with the centers in our lower and our middle school. Right. 
Um, and the thing is, it's interesting, this, this isn't because the center all of a sudden occurred. Our lower school teaching staff is extraordinary, and they've been doing forms of project-based learning for a really long time. They really right. worked to include student voice. Um, in our pre-K, it's a Reggio model, which is completely student-led, right? Like students have their interests, they design the curriculum around that. I mean, that's really what we're trying to do here. So we've been taking a lot of cues from a lot of our lower colleagues. What I think has been exciting for our lower school colleagues and the way that we support them is that, as I'm sure you know, if you're a lower school teacher, your schedule is insane, right? Like you have, your complete day is lined out. You don't have preps right. in the same way that we do in upper grades. So for them to have a partner where they can come to us and say, my students are really interested in um, plastics, like the impact of plastics. Can you help us think about, you know, who would be organizations we would learn from? What are the statistics? What are some project-based design models that we could do? It just gives them a larger bandwidth to be able to plan this type of work, which takes a lot of planning. Right. right? And so where with the lower school we've seen, um, where I think these seeds are being planted in a really exciting way. One of the things we've seen in our lower school is a real 10, uh, they're really interested in stewardship, which is one of our Quaker principles and the environment. I think just because this generation is gonna be so heavily impacted by it, especially our pre-K to five-year-old. tangible at an early age. Exactly. We also do have Tom Rickards here is our coordinator for environmental um, and stewardship efforts. And so we also have him here as an amazing resource. And so I'll take, for example, in third grade, what's been really exciting is they've been exploring um, and again, this is how it grows. Last year they did a project, they really enjoyed it with the, with the center, um, but they were like, we wanna make it more. We wanna do a longer term study. We wanna connect it to more of our curriculum. And so they are studying the Lenape Native Americans earlier in the year. And so it made a really good opportunity to look at stewardship through how Lenape lived and then into the study of William Penn and the founding of Pennsylvania and Quaker roots. And it ended up into um, the real interest of students. Um, we had them out in the Wizzahick and hiking, and they're seeing all these plastics. And so they got really interested in plastics pollution. But instead of being like, here's our project, right? Um, Jill and Nita and Teodora took the approach of student-led. So they learned a ton about plastics, right? And plastic pollution. And what does this look like? And Mr. Rickards and myself like, are bringing in resources and people. But through that, they got to decide you know, they gave them kind of a scope of different possible ideas. They got to pick how we want to educate the community on this. What's our project for this? And then they'd have to be able to share why they picked that project, why for them that was the way they wanted to communicate it. Um, and they got to work on it. It was completely student-led. They had to present in front of an audience. Um, and so even in that, while they are third graders, right, they're learning about a topic and we're not saying you need to present by doing this PowerPoint or you need to present with this poster. It's more of like, what do you want to do? Well, I want to do a stop motion video. I want to do a website. I want to make a board game that has them explore. So that's what they did, right? So when they make their final presentation, there is a student interest and choice, right? They've been given this information and it's like your challenge is to figure out how are we going to educate the Penn Charter community about this? And they get to bring their own voice and skills and talents to doing that. And so I, I believe that will trickle up. And I think you also create students then who are going to um, demand, right? Like that, that choice and that opportunity to have their own voice in how they're learning and what they're learning, right? So we wanna, we wanna create that advocacy for their learning. So um, it's gonna lead to those students who are gonna again come up to the high school and say, you know, I, there isn't a class right now. Um, we have a student that did this this year. There isn't a class that's really exploring affordable housing in real depth. So I want to do an independent study on that. Can your office do that with me? Yeah, right. Like I love that she knows that this is something she's really right. curious about. If something doesn't exist, 
what can I do about it? Like, how do I find partners and, and I go about it? Um, and I think that all, you know, that, that will trace up more and more. Um, but again, I think like our lower school has been doing amazing work in this, just in the way that they teach. And I think that we've just provided another great resource, them specifically with a lens through social justice and climate justice issues with Mr. Rickards as well. Um, but I think that it'll just continue to build on that great work. It seems to take an enormous amount of flexibility, and I'm not sure if flexibility is the right word, but um, from the teachers, because you sort of want to go in and you want to have your plan. Like this is our this is our six week course of study, and this is going to be our end project. So I don't imagine that everybody is super comfortable with this student directed. Um, sort of project or um, assessment or whatever you want to call it at the end. So how do you go about helping the teachers navigate that through professional development or um, example of success stories in your own school? Do you know, so how do you create a tide of having all of the lower school teachers embracing this type of mentality in the classroom? I think it's a great question. And again, I think this, I think that this actually gets a lot back to sort of like the build it, they will come model, right? Um, because that is something we have to be very, you know, aware of is like teaching is, you know, I would argue like the most demanding job right. in terms of not just time capacity, but your emotional capacity, right? You have these incredible young people, you know, anywhere from 20 to 180 of them, you know, that you're, you're interacting with on a daily basis, and you're really giving all of yourself to that. So I think like recognizing that and then figuring out how does this work fit into it. So with our model, like what we've done is we've really talked with teachers that are interested in creating the space and really following through with the support. I think that that's like a really big thing, right? I think that a lot of times there's a, oh yeah, we'll help. And then everyone gets caught up. But this is really like, you're going to email me. I'm going to email you right back. Like you're going to ask for a resource. We're going to get right back to you. You're going to ask for, even if it's two weeks out, because if we're asking people to do what we call like emergent, you know, what we're, what we're trying to promote is like emerge, more emergent curriculum around this, we have to be ready then to like, within two weeks, be like, how do we help you find a partner? And that's also where our partnership piece is so significant because we, we do, we have partners that are prepared for that and they want to do that. They want to know students are really interested in this or genuinely curious. You happen to be the right partner to provide this perspective. Can you come in in the next week and a half, right? Like that's a big ask. Um, but our partners think they, they're on board also with like that work that's being done and it, and it develops more authentic relationships with the students. So, um, so that's a piece we have to be ready to back up. Uh, so I think like we, I think we're doing a solid job of that. And then what happens is teachers, you know, when we're doing these projects and it comes to the end of the year and they're asked to reflect on what are the most memorable moments for them as educators, they also may be sometimes the most exhausting right, um, yeah, because yeah. it's not the like, I planned it and it just is gonna go. Like it takes that, you know, consistently like, you know, adjusting and reflecting. Um, so, but because of that, you know, I think we, we don't push this, right? Like it's more of teachers being like, all right, I know what happened in the third grade last year. Like we're really curious, like how could we make that work? Or something like, We've had this partnership for a really long time, but listening to how partnerships are being approached, maybe we need to revisit that. And could you help us do that, right? Like, and to make sure that the partnership that we may have in our class is really authentic and, and, and people are benefiting and it's reciprocal and all those things. Um, so I think like that for us has been how 
teachers have been more excited and it's built, right? And we've seen that, right? Like, I mean, just the lower school, for example, I think our first year we were doing like one or, we did these kind of one-off projects, but more like long-term projects. We were doing like maybe one and, and then it expanded to two. And this year, like, you know, we're, we're reaching out to the majority of the grades in the lower school and working with them. Um, we're being asked to come sit at the table when they're planning. And that is like, for me, the biggest compliment. Like when a an educator I deeply respect, which is, you know, all of our lower school teachers, like, they're like, hey, can you, can you come help us think about this? Like that for me is like, wow, like, yes. Like, because that also isn't a place for me to push an agenda. It's more for me just to listen and think about where can I best support you? Like this is, you know, and what, and then this is also where conversations about professional development, a teacher might say, I think I've got a pretty good understanding of project-based learning, but I feel like I need to develop more in this. And that's where, whether it's a resource from our office or helping connect them to other resources in the city to help them with that would be like, this would be a really good opportunity. Or because we have the teaching and learning center here, we can say to teachers, well, maybe we need to run a teaching and learning center session on that. Like, would that be helpful? Right. Um, I think for us with the professional development, what we also have tried to be strategic about and uh, are continuing over this is like our growing edge of figuring out how do we keep doing this work but how are we investing teachers in the vision right and it's not the sessions of this is what you do it's more of let's have a discussion around lifelong learning like what does that look like like in to you what does that look like how how can we as a school community do that who are the students you feel like are deeply intellectually curious, like what's going on with those students where we feel like we might, is there something we can be doing to expand, you know, that to other students, right? Those kind of conversations that I think teachers are really excited to engage in and are excited to see people asking those questions. Um, we want to, we want to be part of that. And so I think they then know that like when it comes to looking for a partner that's going to be helping them do that work, we're, we're there. Right. Um, so it's more of the, like, let's sit down together and really think about what this could look like. And then we want to be there to support with some concrete ideas, you know, when they're ready to ask those questions and to do those things. And so there's two of you, how many people are in your office? Yeah. So it's, um, so she, myself is the director, uh, Sharon Aram is our assistant director and she also coordinates, which is under the center of the, the center, the, senior comp project which almost is like another class um i also am a quakerism teacher uh which i feel so blessed you know so lucky to get to have that role one because the roots of the center in quakerism it also is a required 10th grade course which i think right. is really valuable right because i get to students who may not come to, may not be one of those kids knocking on my door um with a yeah, community there. there's a there's a transformational potential there right and our Quakerism um, team of teachers is just really extraordinary um, in, in doing a lot of the same stuff we do which is like asking these big questions and making spaces to discuss them so Sharon and I are like the two point people and we divide sort of the teacher on teacher you know support um, across the divisions uh, and then we also do like depending on the community incubator it's more of like students might come looking for one of us um, and so be given our specific backgrounds and we sort of just lend to that or like for example when a student came to me to look about affordable housing for the independent study I was like I'd love to do that I know that Sharon's got some incredible expertise in that and she needs to be looped in right um, in addition we for our extracurricular service learning program that we have that Jim really you know built built up to what was nationally recognized we have a team of teachers that do this as their activity requirement and so there's really a different teacher each week that's going out so there's really this core group of of faculty that students know are deeply invested in relationships with our community as well. Um, and I think like, you know, that's one of the things we have to think about in the future. Like as there's more curricular work, one of the things that Sharon and I do talk about is that like, how are we 
equipping teachers with these skills, right? And so I would take the third grade team as, even in his example, the first time we did a partnership work last year, I was much more involved. Like this year it was more, can I sit with them during planning? And they have those skills, right? Like they know, and they've had them, they already had them already, but I think like even just looking through this lens, like having the, the experience last year, um, and then what they do is they sort of more like, we, we know we're all on board. And then it's sort of like, as they have questions or they need some support or they need resources, they know they can reach out. Um, and then we'll really reflect at the end of the year together. Like what's working, what's not working, what other support do you need? So we want to get it into a place where they're developing those. I think one of the things we have to think about now with partnerships, um, and this is just something I was thinking about the other day, is that uh, I'll take our second grade, for example. They've developed a really amazing relationship with St. Ray's and DePaul House because of multiple projects they've done and, and the fact that our second graders have really developed a relationship with some of their um the team at St. Ray's. So next year, like they don't really need to come to me to set that up. Like I know those teachers are more than comfortable to reach out to right. the team at St. Ray's and do that. There's that question for us of how do we, we that'll be a conversation with us with our partners of like, would you rather us streamline it just to save your phone right. calls or emails or whatever? Or do you want the personal contacts? Because we don't have any, you know, ego needing to control those, you know? So right. that might look different depending on the partner, right? And what their own bandwidth is. Um, and also depending on the faculty, like we might have just have some faculty that are more comfortable with us establishing that, you know? So those are one of the things that um, in terms of time though, but, I, but I, what I will say is nice is that because we have really looked at our portfolio of partnerships and really honed in on this kind of core group, um, I might contact, Richard to Paul, and there might be three line items in it, like one for second grade, one for sixth grade, and you know, and something from Sharon for our high school you right. know, service group, um, which is nice for them as well. Uh, so it's not three different schools, three different grades. You know, they know, um, you know, that they've, they've got a nice. When you were when you were describing to me everything that you do. I'm thinking as this grows and grows and grows, it's going to be unsustainable for the two of you to keep this going. But then as you're discussing this sort of giving the autonomy back to the teachers, it's almost like this bell curve of need, yep. right? Like as you're growing and growing and growing, they, you're going to be in high demand. And then essentially you kind of want to put yourself a little bit out of business, right? Yes. Because you want your teachers all to be doing this um, themselves. So and not only the teachers, the students, like we were talking right. about, right? Like same thing with the bell curve, right? Like, so for us this year, I, you know, I can just think right off the top of my head of like seven kids. I know that I, that could sit down with a student in an initial conversation of like, I want to learn about this not only around just the skills and competencies, like with what they're developing in terms of their own, like creative problem solving and civic responsibility, but also in terms of content, right? Like, so if a student's gonna come to me that's curious about food insecurity, like I'm gonna have them sit with Zion. If they're interested in affordable housing, they're gonna sit with Avery, right? If they're interested in mass incarceration, you know, we've got two seniors that have been, you know, leading conversations in our service council. So for us, like that's also the, the piece of, of figuring out, and that's kind of something that we're thinking a lot about is like, what does that structure look like? And also how do we equip students with those those skills, our, our teaching students in a way? And, um, and that is something that we, have you know when we think about development and like raising funds for the center um that's one of the areas that we've been very focused on like securing funding that will allow us to train our students in right like leadership development for your kids right because they're gonna we want again in terms of sustainability of the center the first person that they get connected to you know my hope is even starting next year isn't me you know it might be me connecting them to 
one of these other students, right? And then it also makes us be very conscientious with a lot of these initiatives. So we can say like every meeting I'm having with a student this spring that is in some sort of role leading or facilitating something, I'm like, who's your freshman in your sophomore, right? Like who are the kids that you know next year, like you need to start cultivating. So even though you're gonna be a senior next year, you should have a freshman or a sophomore right. that's side by side with you, that's in What's the planning meeting. Plan? And they, and so, and that's a great skill for our students to think about, right? Like that's the, you know, connected to lifelong learning and it's connected to, you know, creative problem solving. Like, how are you making sure that the sustainability is happening? So it's absolutely, like you said, this bell curve. Um, I always used to, in my, when I was running this um, tech company for a while, it was similar kind of question people always had. They're like, how are you going to sustain the like hands-on support you give schools? Cause we were so involved and we looked at it like a pie of our time. And we always made sure a certain percentage of our partnerships were going to be first year partnerships and they required the right, a bigger percent of our time. But if we do our, did our job well, after the first year, schools would know how to use the tool enough and they'd have their implemented, you know, point people already that they might require a little bit of our time, but we're really rolling them off. Right. And here it's the same kind of thing. We, you know, like for example, you know, what, so a couple of our lower school grades, like they're going to do amazing projects and they will be affiliated with the center for public purpose. And that's amazing. But I know the amount of support they're going to need from me is really going to be stuff that is manageable. Right. Um, what I will say, I think that will never go away is that we want students to see this collaboration and then we want them, like I want, I love that I go into the lower school and there are very few kids who do not know who I am or what my job is. They might not be able to say what my exact title is, but they like know the work that we do. And I think Mr. Rickards does a great job with this in the sustainability in the lower school as well. Um, so we don't need to be upfront, that's not our role, but that we're around enough and they see us working with their teachers and with students that we know who the students are, we know what their interests are, because that's also gonna make it that when they do get to the upper school and they have an idea or they are questioning something or you know that they know, wait, there are people that I've known here right. for however long and they know my interest and I'm gonna bring them to that door and they're gonna help me um, you know, continue to think about how do I keep learning about this topic? Um, um, so yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, yeah. Uh, that, so what, what would you, how do you say no to something, right? Like what are your guiding principles that sort of allow you to hone in on what you're doing? Is it the skill set that you're trying to develop and that as long as they meet these, these five characteristics or is it, um, you know, the, the themes that you mentioned earlier, which, you know, uh, affordable housing, uh, environmental stewardship, what is it that helps you focus? Because otherwise I can imagine that it just is all over the place. Yeah. So we do, I mean, our mission, right? Like we talk about key social issues in Philadelphia. Like that is really with the center, like where we are focused. And we do highlight poverty, food insecurity, and education equity. Um, the thing is, and that was established by Jim. Right. Here. Thing about poverty is, I mean, it's, you know, it's going to, underneath it is going to come affordable housing, I mean, even food insecurity and education equity. There's like all of these connections, unemployment, mass incarceration, right? Like they will all come underneath that. And so it is, 
it is pretty open in that way. I would say like with environmental sustainability, that's actually something we would, we, we, we turn that to Mr. Rickards and we're like, Hey, you know, this is, this is your area. However, we're here to support, like if there's a community partner that, you know, crosses over or even just facilitating project-based learning, because that's getting into the skill sets that we really have honed in on, we will lend our expertise in that way. Um, but I think that's also one of the things that we are very cognizant of is that we have amazing people in this building that are working in lots of different areas. So again, it's sort of this human of like we might have a student come to us and we really do think like is this the right space to be ex to exploring this and if not do we kick it to one of our partners and then say but we're here to support like we are excited that you're exploring this um, I will say you know it's interesting right this is <laughs> this is where um, the tricky piece comes when you're looking at something like lifelong learning right like this concept of continuous revelation in our in our Quaker practice you can do that about anything, right? So um, I think that becomes a call for us. Like I have a student who came to me and wanted to do an independent study on the 1970s um, Japanese car industry, right? And the reason why he tagged me was because he knew my business background. Um, and I was very honest with him. I said, here are other people in the building I think could be a great fit for this. Um, and he was very clear that he's like, but I actually like would really like to work with you on this because what I want to explore are like the geopolitical relationships driven by this question, the um, socioeconomic implications, um, the environmental, like, you know, so he's like, I feel like it's going to touch on people in the school that I feel like you can connect me to and can help me think. Right. So like, to be honest, the amount of workload for me is limited because a lot of what my meetings with him have been like, who do I need to connect you with? Who right. do you need to interview? Right. So if you're going to look at, um, you know, the implications of the, you know, oil, you know, like the oil crisis in the 1970s and what was our opportunity to, you know, go my like brain is exploding. I never had one creative idea like that in high school mm -hmm. in my entire life. Yeah. But the thing is that I think is interesting too, is like, it's almost like that skill set, right? Like that, you know, this lifelong learning, this intellectual humility, this creative problem solving. So we are focused on those. Um, and so I think for us, like there's a kid like that, that normal, like that initial question when he brought it, I was like, you know, a part of me is like, no, but then he advocated for himself. Right. He's like, this is why I think you're the right person. And this is what I, I feel like you'll be able to help me with. And when a kid's going to do that, I'm like, great. Right. How do you if say no? Yeah, if a kid's kind of like, I just thought you'd be good because I know you, I'm like, okay, we need to make, make sure you're in the right space. And so um, I think right now that's one of the things that we're trying to watch and to see, and also just looking at our own bandwidth and capacity. But I do think like we are very cognizant that like the teacher, like we talked about, you know, like their own skills and comfort and excitement around the work that we're doing, as well as students um, and developing, you know, letting it really be a center for public purpose. Right. It's not a director and an assistant director. Like it ultimately will be the center and what will make it roll will be that, you know, all the people that have gone have touched it in one way or another and have developed this interest and skill set um, that they then want to have a ripple effect and expanding more. I also think this is something we are very intentional intentional about is we are very lucky that we have a pre-k to 12 trajectory right so we would be remiss to not be strategically and intentionally connecting our upper school students our middle school students and our lower school students right. so an example of this would be we have a food security club in the upper school we have a huge sixth grade food insecurity capstone right semester long this year we had the food security club come down and help be facilitators of the simulation, like running the different 
shops and stores and stuff that the sixth grade were doing. And so parents of the sixth graders are coming in and being like, tell me about the food security club. Like, how did you get involved with that? How did they do that? Our partners that were there are the same partners that work with these kids. So for them, they're like, it's fantastic that your sixth graders and your like 11th graders are all in the same space talking about this. We had a um, model UN middle school conference this year and, and it was around food insecurity, right? So like there are these that our upper schoolers came down and supported them on with a couple of the students being very passionate about that, right? So we are trying to be really intentional about that. One of our partnerships in second grade is with St. Ray's and it's a partnership that was started by 10th graders in a Quakerism class two years ago. It was a business that was started with our students and the residents of St. Ray's. Our 10th graders who are now 11th graders came down to launch that, right? We had a, students were doing a fundraiser for a microfinancing organization in Africa in the second grade with their elder programs. We had our microfinance club come down and like figure out how do you teach the concept of microfinance to second graders and, and elders, right? Like in the same room, right? So, so there are those spaces where it's like, we also have upper school students that can, work and teach. We had our environmental certificate students come down and teach our third graders about their plastic units. That's not me or Mr. Rickards creating a PowerPoint about it. It's our students who have chosen that to be an expertise that we would be completely remiss. Now that's one of the things when it comes to scheduling, right? If all three of our divisions were on the same schedule, Oh yeah, like that'd be amazing, right? Like we aren't there yet, you know, but that's the kind of stuff as we see more and more of these incidences or the things that teachers and students are highlighting as their most impactful work. Um, we'll start to think about that. Like how are we making sure these collaborations can happen with ease? Um, so tell me, do the schedules, particularly um, in the middle and the upper school, lend themselves to the kids having an extended period of time to get off campus? So I'd say like, it's a, we, I think we do better than a lot, right? Like we, especially someone who's worked her career majority in public schools, right? Like we are given a lot of freedom. Like I am, you know, absolutely. And, I'd have, and I have to say here, we would not be able to do the work we do, we do without our transportation team. Like right. I cannot give them enough kudos. Like I, you know, just written this thing extra ahead of school, just kind of like celebrating that work. You know, we have sixth graders that go off once every five weeks to internship sites and we have days of service where we've got 18 partners and we don't have to rent a bus you know what I mean like that's amazing um and uh that is something that because of our transportation team that we have and the willingness of them to work with us and them being invested in our mission like we couldn't do the work we do without it um we are able to make our schedules work right so the way our 10-day rotation schedule works in our upper school you know we have a couple you know, one to two hour and a half blocks a week um, in classes. So you really can't get off to campus, but you really only have a half hour, 40 minutes, right, to do right. that. In the middle school, they have been more, like I'd say in some of these longer term projects, they do. We take, you know, um, multiple days and we take like a two to three hour chunk where kids are going out into the community and they're just off. When you get into the upper school, it's harder. And I think this is what all independent schools and parochial schools, you know, and even our public schools, you know, that are trying to do this work, where we have things like APs and, and other um, advanced courses that are much more stringent in terms of like the amount of time they have to take and what their yeah. requirements are. And that's something we're, we're thinking a lot about. There's a lot of really great thinking nationally about this right now. Um, and we're trying to listen and learn from other people about it. Uh, I think some of the things we see some of our, um, we were, we went to, um, we had sent a couple people to Riverdale to go mm -hmm. see some of 
other really great work they're doing around mini courses, right? Like, but that type of stuff is able to be done when you have more flexibility in the schedule. And then for us, like if we eventually make some of those changes, how are we also seeing if we're aligned with middle school so that we could do middle and upper school, you know, sharing some of those spaces because our topics are the same. Um, so those are the, those are the things I think we're thinking about and we're, we, but they're bigger curricular and content conversations that our department heads, our heads of school have to be excited and, and our families right willing to you know and willing to move forward into but i will say like i think um we have teachers that are excited to get kids off campus we have a transportation team that enables us to do it and more than anything we have partners that are excited and willing to receive us on sometimes a quick schedule um like just yesterday we went to our one of our partners in my quakerism class uh it's exciting like in quakerism we we were talking about education equity and we were talking about literacy in philadelphia and the pre-k programs that are that are being launched and we had identified a really phenomenal organization called mercy ministries that's doing some really wonderful work around pre-k's and we went and visited there to learn about the work they're doing and it was great and then one of my students for her midterm decided she wanted to really she's looking at the essential question of um how do we stay open to truth and through the lens of education equity in Philadelphia. And she specifically is interested in like early childhood literacy. So she designed like a lesson plan, right? Around um, reading and having older students and younger students sit side by side and select books. And it was great. Right. But that I can, but that I can call Mercy and say, we have a student who would love to come back because she's inspired by your work. And this is what she's designed. Can we do that? And that the teachers are like, yes, we'd love that. And we were only able to be there for 40 minutes, right? So like that's hard. Like that's a big ask of a partner, right. To do that. Um, so we'd love to have more time, but those are the things that I think until we, until we have those bigger conversations and our community feels really good about it, we're going to work with what we have. And we are just really lucky to have transportation team and administration that's willing to open us to that. And, um, our partners that are willing to receive us for that. Um, which has been, been great. And to be honest, like our students too, like, I mean, I think that they're flexible for that, that we are kind of like, we're getting here, get to the bus lane. We're going to be there for 40 minutes. We're going to, you know, this is what we're doing. Um, and then I think like the big piece for us is that reflection component, right? Like, so that's the kind of stuff that we can do back here. So where we're not technically off campus, right. but we're making sure that whatever our experiences are in the community that we're coming back and we're really doing reflection because nothing can be learned unless there's a reflection of that interaction. Um, I think is really, really important. Um, so yeah, but I do think we are, we are super keen to learn from others. Like I have been so inspired by the work of some of our independent school partners and um, luckily through you guys and, and, and NSP, you guys have connected us to some of these individuals. And so to be able to talk with Castilleja, um, to be able to meet with a school like Revolution School, who's thinking around these things like skills and companies, community partnerships, student learning, teacher collaboration, you know, and in many ways are much further ahead of us these spaces um, that they're willing to let us have a seat at the table to learn and discuss and share and we are just really excited to do that with partners um, I think as more and more positions like you know places like the center are being created and positions like mine and Sharon's um, we know that there's just some really great minds um, students faculty families community partners thinking about this and we're really excited to continue to gather that and think about it um, and what do schedules have to look like and what do partnerships have to look like and what does student learning and reflection have to look like um, student assessment right like these are all things that we have a lot of growth to do um, and we're excited to learn from our our you know fellow schools and, and community organizations in that way well I was gonna ask you what do you um, 
what, like, where do you see this in 10 years? You know, like, what are, what are your really like big and don't, don't even, they don't even have to be practical. What would you like it to look like in 10 years? I mean, I think for me, um, a lot of this, and it's a great question, you know, and it's something that because this was such a new thing that Jim started, you know, we kind of did three years and right. Let's go. I mean, we're, and we're excited. We're doing a lot of what we but you're definitely at the point where you can think in 10 years right. and we need to do, and we're going to be, I mean, it's actually interesting. There's a lot of this stuff that in this summer that we're thinking about stepping back and some of the stuff you and I have talked about, like we want to have other people at the table when we do that, right? Like it, it'll be our community partners and it'll be schools that are, you know, thinking about this as well. I do think right now, as, as we all know, right, like innovation in how we teach kids um, and how we teach even adults, right, like is necessary. Um, I think things like, and I love that Castilleja has this as one of their skills. They talk about, um, it's, a, it's like agility. It's a, oh, it's ambiguity. It's like embracing yeah. ambiguity is what they talk about. And I love that, right? I've been talking to Emily about it. Um, I think that's something that even like you talked about with teachers, right? Like to be able to do emerging curriculum and, and community partnerships and student-based work, learn, there's a lot of ambiguity in that. And you have to be able to be like, all right, I'm kind of not quite sure where this is going to end up, but I'm going to trust in it. And um, that is, uh, it's hard. It's a new way of teaching. Um, but I think it's something that teachers, I think especially here, are really excited about, ultimately because they know that the skills that it creates will prepare our students to not only be successful by whatever way you want to measure that, but if we're really talking about students living lives that make a difference, right? Like we have to equip them with those skills of like creative problem solving right. and responsibility and, you know, intellectual. Well, and also there must be a, an immense feeling of security that if it goes sideways, it's going to be okay. Right. Yeah. Like that, that you're doing, everybody knows what the intention is of whatever project curricular or um, extracurricular is and that if it if the outcomes aren't exactly as you promised the learning is still great no i mean this is this is we're doing emergent curriculum and it's best right like i mean and it's like you know in like i mean and it's like in, uh in in sort of like this top level like we're encouraging this in the classroom but even us as like a center like this is really exploratory right like and how this is going to work but it is also why i think like i can't say enough about like those really authentic genuine community partnerships like there has to be seats at the table, right? Because right. for me, if what we're talking with students, specifically in the center, is kind of addressing these core social issues, you, we need to be talking to the people that are in it, working with people that are facing that every single day, because when we're thinking about what are the skills students need to address that, they are the ones that are more equipped to answer that, right? right. Like, and so, and I think, and, and to be honest, like that's where I'm gonna step to the side and be like, having people come in and teach my students like if this is what they're genuinely interested in like you need to be sitting there with um you know brother pdx like you need to be that he's the one that's going to be able to talk to you more because he's living that in the community every day well, um, and so i think that you're just modeling your all the core competencies that you're all trying it's your humility right mm -hmm. like i'm i'm not the person to be asked at answering or you know mm -hmm. proposing these questions yeah so. So I think that's the piece for us is like, and we know that that's going to evolve and change. And that's one of the things we've even said about our skills and competencies is like, they're not fixed. And I think also as our schools figuring out like at a high level, like what this looks like for us, um, as our world is literally changing every single day. Um, and you know, the needs of what it means to be an active citizen and, um, an engaged citizen, like what that looks like and the demands on our students, um, what that means we have to be ready to also to Cassia's point like embrace ambiguity right like and be like all right like 
we now know that this particular skill is really necessary and needed for our world. And how are we doing that in our classrooms? Um, so yeah, I mean, as somebody who sees schools all over the country, I am so um, encouraged by the fact that you have an entire large school community that is comfortable with all of this because so much of this work is great, but if the parents have fear of college admissions, I mean, who's not, who, what upper school parent isn't, you know, um, have some trepidation about the college admissions and whether or not the, whether the course their child is on is going to get them to what their potential is. But if we can slowly shift that mindset that really what, the, what we're going for is to be an active, good, community you know community um, member and an active citizen then some of those questions sort of fade to the side and we can really become good people right. rather than just going to the best college that you think you yeah. should be going to and i so so let me note though like that is definitely still something we face like absolutely oh, no doubt but i feel like at least you're talking about it yes that is and i will also say too this is also where i will say because we are a quaker school and when parents come here, that is something that is in the forefront. Like right. we are a Quaker college preparatory school. College preparatory is still in there, right? Like that is something, but that is also something that I think, um, you know, even our college admissions office, right? Like what they've been doing, our, um, our college counseling office has been doing such a great job of is like the conversation being around fit for a student, right? Like if we have a student who is actively engaged in like social justice and climate justice work, right? Like when they're looking at schools, like that's factoring in, right? Like it's right. not about a ranking, right? Like it is literally about, we know this is something that sustains this child. Like that's, that is something that is core to who they are. We need a place that also gets that and, and is gonna create opportunities for them to engage in that way. And so I, that's, that's an exciting premise for us. I do think like, look, this is just something, it's a reality, like parents, you know, parents want what is best for their kids. They want their kids to be happy, right? And I think like, as those conversations occur, like how different families define that, you know, um, is different. And I think what has been good for us though, is that um, the work we're doing here has absolutely been really received well by families. And I think we've been also making a much more concerted effort to do more opportunities for families and students to engage together around this work. Um, both co-curricularly and um, extracurricularly. I will tell you, I absolutely, and I know Sharon does this as well, we make a very concerted effort to know the parents and that when I see a parent, I will, you know, I know they're gonna get feedback from their teachers, like, you know, so-and-so is doing great in mathematics or great in language art. I will absolutely be that person that's like, man, your student in the stormwater management group in fourth grade, like, I mean, so impressive, and this is why, right? So that they see, and I love seeing parents being like, thank you so much for sharing this. It's like something that my student, my child was really excited about and that you are highlighting skills that we see in them that we want cultivated, right? So like, we want them to see us as someone who like is in this, what I would say right. like- in, you know, in, their develop, in their greater development. Yeah. And, and then so. the, the freedom to be with those kids when they're in, in lower school and saying we're these are the programs because we went by the time they leave us at Penn Charter we want them to be this kind of student it, it's never in lower school as it's gonna say because we want them to go to this kind of college right you're never projecting that on a little kid mm -hmm. and so getting the younger parents to buy into that mentality is going to shift everybody over the years at least that's 
That's that's how I go to sleep at night, soundly thinking that that's going to happen. Right. And then, but I also think too, like, and I think that this is the space. This is also where I think an interesting thing that we've started to just investigate, and um, we will hopefully have some updates for you about what this could look like because it's also another conversation we want to have. We we talk a lot about the pre, you know, the pre K to sixteen, right? Like right. trajectory, right? Like not to twelve, but to, to sixteen. And we need to be doing a better job, and this is something I'm charging myself with, of like connecting with local universities around this work, right? We are so lucky here in Philadelphia. We've got the Drexel Center with Cindy Rickards and the Lindy Center and like the work that they're doing there um, that is completely in line with the vision of the Center for Public Purpose and our school is a Quaker institution. And so where are we also making connections to universities? Because I think there's a really great opportunity for that. Like, to, to also work with schools. And this is where things like mastery transcript and like some of the conversations around what is the messages that, that college institutions and universities are sending down um, in terms of what they value and what they need. But I think we need to step into that also of like, how do we create partnerships before it's that our kids applying there, right? Like that you, that we're doing work. So for example, and this is, this is like, I just got an email last night and this is a kind of email that makes me so excited. One of our community partners that we work with emailed me because a local university reached out to her about wanting to um, work with her, the college students on food security. Her first instinct was to email me and to be like, I want to connect you and this, this other right. university professor because I think it would be great for your sixth graders and these college students to be in a space together to talk about this and let us be the liaison, right? Like for me, I'm like, this is amazing, right? Like it's, you actually get like the work, you're creating amazing channels and pathways for us. And it's looking at that K to 16 trajectory. So like, I think like us sending messages up to universities and universities sending messages down to us, like that's great. Um, but ultimately I think if we start doing more work together, like that much more organically and authentically will happen. So like one of the things that Cindy and I have talked about with the Lindy Center is like at some point, like it would be great to have a conference that's like a K to 16 conference around this work, right? Like that Drexel and Penn Charter can like, how do we bring together really amazing pre-K to 12 institutions that are doing this work and then also you know, universities that have said, this is core to what we do. And how are we coming together and talking about skills and competencies, talking about partnership work, talking about like, how are we preparing students to live right. lives of difference, right? Like, because that's the sort of work, it's not based around a transcript conversation. It's like, let's engage in work together and, and student learning together and find those commonalities and the things where we all get really excited, right? Because that's right. gonna be the stuff that and then, sustains. And then, like, just going back to like, talking about what's a good fit, then when you when you you know these universities, kids are gonna know so much better what's a good fit and so are parents. Like, oh, we've been working with Drexel and look at all this amazing things they're doing and we're there this food insecurity program and then you're like that 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 might never have been on the table prior. Right. And then you yep. know and it's also too where like that's where someone like Andrea, who is this woman that runs she runs sanctuary farms in Philadelphia. For me, like that's the third piece, right? Like because she's a community partner who gets the skills and right. the work and the, you know, she's done the causes and effects. She's identified a root cause. She's made a business plan. She's developing a solution, right? Like she gets it, right? So like we, in our caption night the other night, we made sure that, you know, almost, we unfortunately with a bad accent, we missed one, but almost all of our community partners could sit in the room with families and students 
so that parents could also see that the community partner is like, your kids really get it. Like they right. are just studying it. They get it and yeah. they develop these skills. And then hearing that from me or someone in our community is one thing, but more importantly, hearing from our community partner who's actually in it, like I said, every day, like that's where the real value is. And we're really fortunate to have community partners that are willing to give up an evening to come and do that. Um, but I think it's like, that's, that's the piece with the parent piece that I think as they see those types of real, genuine, authentic interactions with a professional that is doing this amazingly difficult and hard and impactful work, they're saying like, this is it. Like, this is the good stuff. Um, that for me is, um, I think, where, where we'll see some of those movements and I don't know, I mean, like, look, it's going to be a really hard boulder to move, right? Like, I mean, the college preparatory game, especially everything we've seen currently, um, is a difficult one. But I think, like, if the efforts we're making are authentic and based on real connections and are kind of connecting these right people and having the right people at the table, um, I think uh, it will, the authentic movements will be more effective. Um, and you I'm know, excited some, to see what Some happens. shifts are happening. You know, yeah. some schools are shifting, they're calling their curriculum life ready. You know, they're getting rid of college prep. I went to a school in California and their college counseling office is now called Life Preparedness. And what they've actually seen is a, a, a number of kids graduating from college coming back. So they found it's even an opening to get kids back on campus after they've gone to college because it sort of leaves the door open that this office is going to serve them, yeah. you know. Yeah, kind of like your career office in college, I'm still getting emails from them, you know, yeah. um, and I could use them if I wanted to. Yeah, well, we and we and we've actually this is an interesting thing. Like we we even when our original vision of the center, alumni engagement is one of our goals that we set, and we actually like track that engagement um, and measure that. And so, it's not like who's giving to the center. Like it is literally like the number of alumni that are coming back with a very specific and connection to students, right? So like um, we have set up these, like we did last year, um, we did, we tried these like monthly Skype calls where like, you know, alumni could call in from around the country because that's hard for them, but like around a specific issue students were interested in um, and students could connect with them. And, and it's just, we found an amazing way to engage alumni. In addition, we've told families, like when your kids graduate, like, that's not it. Like we, we, cause we want them to engage with our students, but because of that, we're here for them as a reference. So like, and a resource. So we have multiple students come back to our office and are like, Hey, I'm still, I'm still very interested in what's happening in education in Philadelphia. I've got the summer between my sophomore and junior year. Is there an organization I can meet with? Is there somebody I could connect with? Can I come back and intern with the center? Right? Like, um, we have one student that's a junior this summer who's going to be interning with a program we run here over the summer with Philadelphia public schools. And, uh, she's learning grant writing. Right. Like, so, um, skill. she want to, she want to intern with us. Right. So those are, so those, so those are the things though, that like, um, I think like them, that exact point you said, like with, we, we want our college offices, but for us, we are very clear with students. We're like, we don't go away. Like you, right. we are here because again, to your point of the sustainability, we aren't sustainable unless, unless our alumni who've been really engaged in this work want to keep engaging, right? Because they're going to be the speakers that come back. They're going to be the ones that when we need to do senior network. Right, like that we're going to connect them to. So it's you know it's that it's that piece of where that engagement and that um, investment um, is really really big, and so and that's what's going to make it sustainable. So I think like just like all like very like really exciting work, and I think as we think ten years down the line, as we continue to step back and think about that, but it is um it is something that um you know each year we kind of step back and reflect and think about like where are we and where do we need to be and what's happening in the world and what are students saying that we're doing a good job of and where can we be doing more 
and what are the structures that we can shift. But I will say, like, I think from leadership down, I mean, I'm very lucky here at Penn Charter with Daryl Ford as someone who is like a real visionary and um, with him and Jim's vision of the center initially uh, has been exceptional. And then that trickling down to just faculty who are in general, like just like very, um, engaged in these in, in the issues that we're exploring and talking about and um you know then down to like our students who are really interested and want this type of work and i think our families as we explore them more and more i think them having a deeper understanding of what's what we're doing and and talking to our community partners and you know seeing the impact of it is um it'll be good so but we are just really excited to learn from our fellow partners in this work because we do know also we are very much new and um even though we the center was like you said like one of the earlier ones um there have been just some amazing initiatives happening in the city so we are somebody who is like just excited to connect and learn and absorb and share and we want to create spaces to do that and we're excited to partner with nnsp and like other people around that and to see what that could look like i think it's going to be really exciting um to do that kind of collaboration well we're thrilled and i really hope i know no one no one listening to this knows this but we talked about doing something after our or before our conference which is most likely going to be in philadelphia in january um i would love 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 to do that because um, we didn't even touch I've kept you online way too long, but we didn't even touch on the assessment component, which is like probably a whole nother hour because everybody's dying to know how we assess um, and not even assess. I, that's not what I mean. Um, data track um, the impact that all this work is having, both not only on your students, on the community, on your alumni, alumni engagement, all of that. So another time, I promise, I'll keep you for another hour to... Um, and I think, but I, and I also think that could, that might be one of those interesting things that if we're gathering groups of people like that, I think is an exciting, that's oh, a discussion point that I think putting... There is no doubt there are lots of people who want to know how to do that because it's not a strength of independent schools at all um, to... But I will say, in some of the things that I've learned, of what people are doing, I think the thinking around it is something that's a strength. Like I think that there are independent schools that um, have been given the freedom to just ask the big questions. And I think some of the things are coming up with like Castillejo, I think like Revolution School, what they're doing in the beginning. And there's many others, like I know Hockety, you know, is doing some really exciting right. work you mentioned and um, Parish School down in Texas. Like, I mean, just some of these, I, I think it's really exciting. And I'm, I like, you know, I had connected Emily and Jane at Castillejo and Revolution. And then I'm like, can I just sit in on the call? Like, I know I don't, don't even, yeah. I just want to listen, right? Like, um, cause I want to hear what you got, you know, the, the great ideas. And so, um, I do, I just think gathering a group of us together to like hear and listen and invite in. Like I think what we would be excited to do here in Philly is that we have these amazing community partners who would absolutely love to be part of that conversation, right? Like even just in the hypothetical, like, you know, what are the measures for them, right? If we're really doing this work, and I think like Haverford College um, has done some really exciting work in this space around like global impact and community impact and that like when we're working with partners, what does that look like? So as we're thinking about like student measures, you know, like, community measures have to go be planned at the same time. Right. They, they have to be worked in conjunction to ensure, you know, that that's being done right and authentically and that like impact across our communities is, is positive. And so um, I think like that's just a really exciting idea of like, you know, faculty and community partners and thinking about this space yeah. collectively. Um, here first. We're going to do it. We say yeah. it out loud. We're going to do it. Great. Um, okay. I'm going to wrap it up because really, I'm sorry. I, I've kept you entirely too long, but it's because your program is so well thought and diverse and really an inspiration to others as they're looking to grow 
especially a, K, a pre-K 12 program, um, it's overwhelming at times to think about how you can create a cohesive program and also incorporate partnerships that have existed for years and how do you sort of shift some in and shift some out is delicate. So thank you so much for sharing your um, story. And it's just the beginning. It's just the first couple chapters and we cannot wait to follow up um, and hear more. Tell mm -hmm. us um, before we hang up uh, where people can find you or the center, social media, websites yeah. kind of so thing. for both um instagram and twitter we're at pc public purpose um it's easy to find us and we're really active um and we've also got a lot of our students that are connected to the center who have their own like instagrams and we often repost so you can see some of their student voice through that which is great and our community partners as well um and then obviously on you know pencharter.com on our website you can navigate through to the center for public purpose and then um people are more than happy would love to connect and it's um a goodner like the word good and then ner at pencharter.com and people can reach out um but then hopefully we'll be working with nnsp with some things and gather some people here and come to campus and visit and see and meet some of our amazing community partners and students um we'd love to have people visit so love that all right um, my brain is already twisting and turning figuring out all the different ways we can collaborate okay Allie thank you so so much for sharing everything with us and today Blake, just, and Blake just a massive thanks to NNSP for like you know for all the work that you do in connecting us but I have to say some of the most exciting conversations like I've been on has been through people that you have connected us to and their amazing work and so just know we really appreciate the role that you all play in making sure collaboration is as effective as it That's can so be sweet. And, and it's my it's my favorite part of the job, connecting good people so that they can learn from one another because no one needs to reinvent the wheel, right? Yeah, that's right. We all have something to learn. Okay, Allie, thank you so much. Um, welcome. And I look forward to seeing you soon. All right, thanks so much, Blake. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. much to Allie for sharing her time and her thoughts about the Center for Public Purpose at Penn Charter School. It was such a pleasure to speak with her. And like we said at the beginning, if you're interested in learning more about data and impact, please feel free to join us at our pre-conference workshop on January 26th at William Penn Charter School. It will be followed up by our annual conference, which starts on January 26th and goes through January 27th in downtown Philly. As always, it's been wonderful to share this time with you, and I hope you enjoy the remainder of what's left of your summer. Enjoy. We'll talk soon. And remember, partnerships work.